ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, patrons, uh, patrons, I don't know when you're going to be hearing this, but I'm working on some. I don't know if you've heard about it, uh, but make sure you have access uh, to, if you're listening to this, you probably have access to Patreon RSS, but also make sure you're getting your patron emails when I update the Patreon site. Uh, I'm also going to try to start a newsletter that I send out to patrons because I'm working on a new project uh, about the end of the first week working on it. And it's, it's going to be occasionally I'll leak stuff out to the public, uh, but mostly this is going to be uh, as it develops a patron pup only. So you need to have access because it won't be in the RSS feed because that's for sleep podcasts. And so make sure you're like, uh, it'll probably be like a weekly update by email if it comes through email. Um, anyway, <laughs> thanks for supporting the show and let's get out the show. Uh, hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to try to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, feelings, uh, physical sensations, you know, stuff, travel, traveling, people in your life, whatever, whatever is keeping you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use these lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Yeah, sorry about that squeak. We'll talk about this in the intro. I went to the dentist twice today. Creaky, uh, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, like uh, twists and turns. Whatever it is, I'm, gonna keep, I'm here to keep you company and, and, and uh, carry you off into dreamland, distract you while you cross over the threshold from wake to sleep. Uh, I'm glad you're here. And if you're new, welcome. I hope I can help you. This podcast doesn't work for everybody, but I hope it can help you out. It uh, Here's the structure of the show. It starts off with about six minutes of business. i got to do that at the top of the show since it's a sleep podcast. If you are a regular listener, it's critical that you check the show notes when your hand hits the fridge tomorrow. Uh, and, and think about, geez, I got a lot of value out of sleep with me. How do I give value back? Uh, but if you're new, not that important. Uh, so there'll be six minutes of business. Then there's an intro, which we just started. It's about 12 minutes of me trying to explain what the podcast is. Uh, then there'll be our uh, episodic uh, series after the glass slipper. And episodic means you can pick it up. There's no episode. They don't. The episodes really don't occur in any. It doesn't matter what order you listen to them in. And uh, then we'll have some thank yous and stuff at the end. So that's kind of the structure of the show. The rules around the show really aren't any rules. Uh, you rule here. You're the listener. I'm here to uh, help you fall asleep. So if you shouldn't be feel any pressure to listen, I'll be here to distract you, to to somewhat engage you, and to try to put you at ease, keep you company, as I said. But this is one of those podcasts you only don't you only gotta kinda listen to it, just barely listen. So that's that part of it. And then um what was my other what was the other oh and then uh, even though it's a sleep podcast, shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here about an hour. And I'll be here talking 
at a nice, uh, hopefully leisurely pace. Uh, it was Agatha, uh, Cinderella's stepmother, will take over for me, but she's got a nice, uh, te- she's got a nice uh, calm teacher voice. And you just drift off whenever you feel like it. This, this podcast is more here while you fall asleep than to put you to sleep. That's just kind of the best way to explain it. And it was a few months ago that I made an episode about going to the D-E-N-T-I-S-T. And then, oh, here, here's a couple of things about me. This might be things that qualified me to make a sleep podcast. One, I'm terrible with appointments. Uh and also authorities, so that's why going to the dentist is kind of like a double, you know, trouble for me. And that's what I'd title today, Scoots is Double Trouble. But it's like, uh, actually it wasn't trouble, but, um, so I'd, ma- I'd been at the dentist maybe a month or two ago with a, a situation that, like, needed, like, to be dealt with. One of those pesky, one of those pesky, like, uh, like uh, cavities or whatever. And then the dentist said, well, you got to come back. Uh, we've got to do some, we've got to fix this other thing in there. And I said, okay. And then, like, uh, I'm not good. Like, I said, okay, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I have anxiety around making appointments. Uh, I wish they just had some barcode scanner they could shoot your forehead with it. Uh, and it'd go ping. And then the appointment would be in your brain. And you'd get notification. I mean, I realize they have that on your phone, but I can never, I can never do that fast enough to where it doesn't feel awkward when I'm standing there. And I usually lose the paper, but usually, I, like, so I stopped asking for a paper thing. And they'll text you, but they only text you a day ahead of time. I need to like a text like two or three weeks ahead of time every day from two weeks ahead of time. So anyway, I'd made the appointment like two or mo- two months ago, we'll say. And I had a vague idea that it was, like, in September. So then I was positive it was last week, but I didn't know what day. So then on Monday I called, and I had a great, like, a busy week last week. So I said, listen, I got, like, something going on. I can't make it to my appointment uh, this week, which I think had already moved it once. And, and they said, well, that's great because your appointment's the week after. And I said, great, what time, what day and what time? So I wrote it down. So I went to my appointment today, and I had to get something repaired or some such. I don't know. They they had to change my oil. And uh, so, so I was there, and I still hadn't had my teeth cleaned because I've been having to, like, because uh, the last time I went, they said, like, you could listen to that episode, but I had been avoiding going until I had to go. So they said, then they said, okay, now that you're done with this, getting this fixed, you could get your teeth cleaned. Go, go up there and set an appointment to get your teeth cleaned. And my brother, baby Kenneth, is like, he's my youngest brother. He's getting married. By the time you hear this, he'll be married. But uh, he, I was hoping to get my teeth cleaned for his wedding. So at least to like, uh, it didn't look like I was like, from like before, like a renaissance, like that I was living in like a, like a Stark, uh, like a car, my teeth are like, they say, what are you in the car? Are you from the car Stark family? It's a Game of Thrones joke that like, uh, but I say, yeah, I, I, I eat a lot of, t- t- I eat tea leaves. Uh, that's why my teeth look like that. Uh, but so they said, so then I went up front and I said, okay, I got to make an appointment to get my teeth cleaned. And I had, had my face numbed. 
And they, like she said, well, geez, could you come back in a couple of hours when your face is not numb because we have a couple of cancellations? And immediately I said no, which I don't even understand why I should have said yes. But then I said, well, hold on, let me think about it. That was like some wiser version of myself. And I said, yeah, let me come back in a couple of hours. Let's get this over with. Uh, and here's some free advice. Don't go twice to the dentist in a day because you're really like, uh, I don't like sitting still that long. You should have brought a fidget cube. And I forgot to ask for the dentist on my second visit to say, can you get some fidget cubes in here? Because I do a lot of clasping of my hands. Uh, and I'm not even like, I don't even, I'm not even that phobic about the whole thing. Like, I just don't, don't enjoy it. Uh, who would? And I tend to overthink everything. So I to, like, then I, once I started thinking about swallowing, I can't stop thinking about swallowing. Well, they say, okay, just don't move for a minute. And they said, well, why, if you didn't tell me that, I probably wouldn't have moved. But now that I can't stop thinking about moving. And, and uh, so, so I, like, I can't, okay, just look, just, just stay looking to the right for one minute. Well, I don't think I could do that. Like, uh, like, 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 like okay, whatever you do, don't swallow here. <laughs> okay, that's exactly the only thing I can do. And so, and I even was listening to a podcast, but of course that created an issue where I said, are you taught, what are you taught? Like I only had it in one ear anyway, and it tends to be, it can be pretty loud at the dentist. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, with the stuff, I was thinking of another joke that I won't say, but, uh, like, uh, it's like, that was another issue. I said, what were you talking to me? I can't, what I can't hear. I can't hear what you're saying. Don't, don't talk. Oh. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, Dave, sorry. Um, what was my point? Well, did, you know, these are the kind of things that go through my mind at nighttime, and maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you have something physical keeping you awake or something more feeling-based or whatever or situational. But for me, a lot of times it's that same brain. You know, I, I only have one brain. I mean, I only have like a 20% of the brain I was born with left. The rest is antimatter, but it, like so, but it, like so, at bedtime it's the same thing. Okay, like uh, the best way to fall asleep is not to think about it. That's what they used to tell me when I was a kid. And I said, "Well, how can I, how can I not possibly think about going to sleep when I want to go to sleep?" And it can't, like I like okay, well you can't think, don't think. And I say, okay. All I can do is think. I don't know what that even means. Let me think about that for a minute because I don't understand what like. Uh, so I got to clear my head. Okay, I got to keep my head clear. Definitely clearing my head now. Got to keep my head. Okay, what does that mean? To, oh, well, I shouldn't be totally, like, if I, if only you weren't making these talks, like you were thinking about, if you only weren't thinking about thinking about thinking, not thinking, you wouldn't be like, well, you, why are you on my case about not thinking? That's what I'm thinking about now is that you're on my case. I'm sitting here trying not to think, and you're telling me that I'm thinking when you're the one thinking, and you're putting me under the. Now I'm thinking. I think. Well, how do? I, well, if you were nicer to me, maybe I wouldn't be shaming you about not thinking. Well, maybe. Why don't we try breathing? Okay, okay. I'll try. I tried that today, and uh, the only thing that worked was that you know sometimes you can do a little like this is why the fidget cube would be good. I'd say, okay, let me stroke my phone for a few seconds. Uh, that worked for 45 seconds of the two appointments I was at. So next time I'll bring a fidget cube, a podcast and a fidget cube. And if any dentists are listening, I'll tell you what, you get those fidget cubes, you could probably sell them 
You don't even have to give them away. Or how about this? Hey, Crest, you listening or whatever multinational corporation owns you? Oh, wait, my brain just said there's only one company that makes toothpaste. Probably, probably right brain. Oh, sorry, you're the left brain. I, I was meaning more in general. You know what I meant. Okay. Are you the one that keeps me up at night? Oh, that's the other side. I don't think it is. I think you like uh, you're the like you're the intellectual one, right? Not with me. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, anyway, I got I got podcast listeners here. Uh, like now, I just got tripped up by my brain. Oh, was what I was saying is, uh, Crest, if you're listening, you would have to pay me. But why don't you put some branded fidget cubes out? Uh, for the kids and the parents and the fidgeters. I would like, I, actually, one would be good would be an Aquafresh one where you could spin the Aquafresh, uh, like to, like the, 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 the idealized version of toothpaste with the three different colors. I'd like to rub my thumb back and forth on that. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe some teeth, some rolling teeth. Uh, Maybe there could be just a set of molars uh, that I could rub my... I wouldn't mind rubbing my thumb on a plastic molar. That would be nice. So that would be two parts of the fidget cube. I do like the buttons, uh, like the dice buttons or whatever on the one I have. So I don't know. And then maybe, how about this, like a brush? Like, uh, like that probably feel pretty good. Might not be last so long. But you could have something brush-like. That would be very nice for self-soothing. Holy moly. Are you hearing me? Any any of the ADA-compliant toothpaste? Uh, also, I ask this every six months or so when I buy toothpaste. Uh, how come aim and close-up are so cheap? Because that's so two that I buy. I mean, I know close-up doesn't help me get close-up. Because uh, it doesn't come with, like, a... Maybe if there was a prescription blend that had uh, whatever freaking something beta blockers in there, uh, close up now with beta blockers. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but you, how come those two are so cheap? Because those are the two I buy. I say aim ninety nine cents. Aim it over here because I'm not paying four ninety nine for a four dimensional toothpaste. I don't it doesn't exist. Also, this is great news this morning. Weird timing. Maybe it was last night I found a half tube of Aquafresh. Uh, I do like Aquafresh, and that's a nice word. I think I always wanted to use this as a kid, but when you have a bunch of kids, you just get paste. They say, whatever comes in a paste, we don't need any gels at this home. Uh, but so I found half a tube of Aquafresh when I was looking around in the, this cabinet, and I said, huh, I wonder why it's tucked back here. Might as well put it in my mouth, uh, which I did, I mean, to brush my teeth. Uh, but So anyway, if you're asking yourself, well, here, here's a couple of things. One, I bet you uh, I'm willing to venture you weren't thinking about whatever is keeping you awake during that uh, toothpaste tangent I just went on. And uh, two, that's what qualifies me. One, I can go on tangent. I mean, I could, I could probably talk about this stuff for another 18 minutes if I needed to. And because I get distracted, I mean, now I got aim on the brain with close up. And, you know, those of us that were around in the 80s, you know, maybe you're singing along with me. I think they had a couple different theme songs. Close up's a nice minty or um, that's like more of a big red of toothpaste. Then uh, I think Aquafresh has mint and cinnamon versions. 
Aim's just a nice nuclear blue. I like it. I say nuclear blue. And yes, I'm that, that's the kind of person I am too. I, I like to use a different toothpaste every time in a random, like in a semi-random order. So say, okay, uh, well, if, actually, you know, if I'm desperate, if I'm going to kiss myself in the mirror, when I practice kissing, I use close up, uh, and I said, well, hello, my dear. I didn't expect to see you here. Whew, what is that cinnamon fresh breath you have? Uh, so anyway, let me get back to the podcast. So sleep with me, the podcast to put you to sleep. Now with the dentine or whatever the hell, uh, right, Ritson, Ritson, whatever that Rit, Ritsonol or whatever the heck they put in, uh, certs. I don't know. Like I do have, like this is, I guess my oral fixation hasn't been on display. Yeah. How about that for a fidget cube? Also like for people like one if, well, that would be an oral fixal. How about, can we patent that? An, uh, an oral fixation cube. That doesn't sound very uh, hygienic, though. So anyway, if you're new here, welcome. If, if you're wondering what qualifies me to make a sleep podcast, uh, this kind of stuff's running through my brain when I'm trying to go to sleep. Uh, so I think that demonstrates it. You know, I've been there. I've been there in the deep, dark night, tossing and turning, waking up at 4 a.m. and wondering why I can't get back to sleep. Uh, and I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, like, uh, sucks not being able to sleep. Uh, and I hope I can help. doesn't work for everybody, but I hope it works for you. Give it a few tries. I'm glad you're here. I not only hope I yearn and I work incredibly hard because I hope I can help you fall asleep. Thanks. All right, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of uh, After the Glass a Slipper, our, um, what did we say, uh, episodic, I'm not kidding, why the heck can I never remember this, uh, what is it called, uh, in, 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 like, I don't know why, it's, every time I sit down to record, my brain kind of escapes uh, episodic uh, modular, there you go, I, I have to, like I said it in a, a couple intros ago, I have to picture a classroom and then find the science modules hidden on the top shelf of somewhere. And then I realize the word module, module, modular. So this is our modular uh, episodic series after the glass slipper. The tale of, uh, originally influenced by the tale of what happened after Cinderella became princess and queen after, you know, the glass slipper stuff. Uh, where we end up kind of following her stepmother, Agatha. She kind of tried to share her side of the story. And then, you know, her life's like, uh, we got a glimpse, glimpse through the window on her life, which has been action-packed. And currently she's a, a pit of lentils, P-I-T of L-E-N-T-I-L-S. Uh, she's still human consciousness-wise, but she, in her body is a pit, which is like a swimming pool of lentils. It's indoors, and she actually can, go like, flow from room to room. I think she can, like, kind of create a body-like form. And she's kind of a wise woman. She's now teaching a class, and that's where this season takes place, in her classroom that she shares with her co-teacher, Shelley where they're working on rediscovering the oral myths of the fairy godparents' uh, tradition or the fairy people's tradition. And, uh, like, that's about it. Uh, like, uh, and I guess, I don't know if it's fairy tales, if it's fairy tale myths. Uh, 
like folk tales, I guess, folk, fairy, fairy folk tales, I guess you'd call them, or myths, you know, those are two different things, I think, too. I don't know. It was, so it follows them uh, in their, well, it, like, just takes place, this is really sleepy stuff, it takes place in a classroom uh, with Agatha in her class. Uh, so here you go. Uh, I'd like to introduce the person that introduces the series. My favorite person uh, to play uh, card games with, except for Flux, because I still don't understand how how that game, like, I still don't understand that game. Uh, but, like, I still have a box of cheap-ass games that I get him to try to play with me. Uh, here you go. The ladies is the gentlemen. The boys is the girls. The friends beyond the binary. It's time for another episode of After the Glass Slipper. Yeah. Well, I like that fade out on your yeah. All right, we're going to go play uh, uh, something uh, after Glass Slipper, everybody. Oh, hello, little man. I've returned to our room again. The baby is here sleeping, so I will take it. Uh, I will take a gentle tone. Another day in class and another tale. I think there was a step, this one, this step husband's stepfather is more of a, is a little preview. He's the one causing the trouble, I believe, and a mother, an actual mother. So, spoiler alert, again, this again, I say, could like, uh, I don't know how these tales are uh, so traditional, I guess, because they're from the traditions, uh. So I, I don't, uh, but this one is an interesting one. It has a lot, uh, it covers a lot, and I think it's been influenced, uh, and I know we have tales very similar. I tried to tell that to Shelley, and she said, when out about your assimilating tales. And also, Shelley doesn't, she's not happy with, uh, like, uh, this may be a question people don't understand, but there's a musical here uh, called Hamilton, and it's based on some other myth, a uh, historical myth or something. Very popular here. The man, he says he came through a flood. He said uh, his name's uh, Lynn. But he came. He said he came through a flux with Arnie or something. I don't know. And But his musical is very popular. Shelley does not like it. And she said, we won't be. He said, well, it's just similar, uh, not to Hamilton. But so... I said, I think I've heard this story. Shelley said, this is a myth. Uh, so some of the children have still been interviewing, and a couple of the children came today. And I've taken to closing my eyes as I listen to the recounting of the tale and kind of letting Shelley steer the action. And like it's going well, three or four weeks in a row, I've just sat there and listened and, and kind of imagined the tale in my mind and then imagined coming back here to our room and you sleeping there on the bed, a man of letter, a letter man, uh, being soothed by my voice and the baby napping there, and I, a lentil-based woman, a woman made of lentils, uh, but the lentils will not make me. I mean, I can make the lentils into things. Uh, I wonder if anyone ever wondered, like, this is something I do to comfort myself. It's strange if you were a human, but I will make a ball of lentils in my uh, lentil hands. Uh, 
because it can control the density. So I can make hands, then I can ball up a ball of lentils to comfort, comfort myself. Uh, and when I'm comfort, I said, am I the hands comforting the ball or the ball being shaped by the hands? Or what is so comforting about this? So I will cut my hands and form a ball and close my eyes and imagine I'm here, lying here, as I, you know, kind of can do here. As I, but I, even there, I, sometimes I'll just lie in my own lintel pool here and imagine I'm in the bed with you, let a man and the baby and resting and napping as the two of you do. Uh, but this tale started, uh, actually we got in after it already started. So it, it starts with a queen and there was some debate with uh, which I said it's nonsense because uh, Cinderella's queen, correct, uh, she is the ruler. I mean, I guess she is the first, uh, you know, the, like, um, hmm, how do I explain this? She's a new queen, right? Uh, so her children, her husband is Gonzalo. He is not a king because she was queen. She chose him as a husband. He's not a ruler. He's just a mate. And she is a ruler. And I think, I don't know, he's just Gonzalo, the shepherd boy. I, I, I like to call him the king regent, but I don't think that is correct, uh, I've been told. And I say, I don't care to be correct. I, I am right. But so, what was my point? So, uh, let's see. So, Shelley, oh, no, not Shelley. She was correcting me. She said, uh, but so, she's queen. And her children will be, you know, could take the throne, but we'll see if they qualify, you know, baby. Are you listening? And your, your siblings, uh, I hope you're listening. And this tale starts very similar, but a little bit stranger. There was a queen and a king once, once upon a time before this story even starts. There was a queen and a king who happened to be brother and sister, by the way. And I'm closing my teeth when I say that because I'm making a point without having to say anything to make the point. But they were brother and sister, and now they were adults and king and queen. Him. And they had six daughters. No, no, no. Oh, you see, I'm so I'm so judgmental, I'm already off. Uh, they had six sons. So, the, But the queen, she was the royal one, but I think he was still king. Oh, no, they were brother and sister. That's why uh, I'm getting mixed up because I'm blushing too. But so they were brother and sister. They had six sons. I don't like to think about it. That's why I'm trying to get through this. Then that king moved on to another world, to another plane of existence. And I imagine the queen said to herself, I wonder what it would like to be married to someone I'm not related to. <laughs> and maybe that would be better. And so she married another gentleman who became her husband. And much like Gonzalo, he was not a king. I think they call... Uh, anyway, we'll get to it with the next part. But uh, they had six daughters together. So she had six sons and then six daughters with this uh, gentleman. And she must have been very vibrant. For at some point, he passed along to another world. And she was single yet again. And she said to, like, at some point she decided again to remarry a third time. And she married someone who he was going by Prince Consort or uh, Duke or Prince Consort, I think of the terms. And he married her and he was an ambitious man. I can relate to this uh, part of the story. 
And she said to him, listen, I'm done having children. I have six sons. I have six daughters. I'm good. Uh, and he said, you know, before they got married, he said, oh, I can accept that. But as soon as they were married, he said, oh, I would like two children of my own or one child of my own. And the queen, she had a very, like a good gut, but it was quiet. So she said, hmm, well, I don't think I'm interested in children anymore. You know, I have 12 wonderful children. Actually, her children were very nice and they all got along very well. And, you know, the queen kind of assumed that, uh, you know, the transfer of power would go through her sons uh, because they were, you know, I mean, some of them weren't the brightest because the parents were related, but they were still good children and they were raised good. And the queen still had some sneaking something eating at her. But so the duke uh, or the prince, the consort, let's just call him the consort because that's a little bit insulting and he deserves it. I think, because he didn't want to be called that. He wanted to be called K-I-N-G. And she said, well, you're not a king. And they said, what about King Regent? She said, according to this scroll, you could be prince consort or I could make you a duke. Uh, so he was duke of, you know, Pinecrest or some such thing. Anyway, he took the strat- strategy of building a tower. And he started to build this tower in his spare time. And, you know, with these... Uh, you know, he he was having people build it, but he was working on it and designing it. And the queen said, oh, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm building a play tower, a tower for play for the children to play in, all of, your, all of your children, because I love them so. And he started to play with the children and started to take an interest in what they were interested in. He said, oh, you like a straw, making straw dolls. We'll have a straw doll room in the tower, the play tower. And they said, oh, you like archery? We'll have an archery room in the tower. You like books? We'll have a library. And he really took a liking to this children, and she found it uh, genuine. And she said, well, maybe we should have a couple children with him. And he kept building this tower, and it started to rise, and it was just outside of her window so she could watch it going up. And it was beautiful, and it had telescopes and windows and it was all quite lovely, this growing, growing tower. And she started to soften because he said, well, he would get into bed. She'd say, how was your day with the children? I'd say, well, old, you know, we raced around. We made, he goes, I think I'm adding a mud pie to the basement. That would be the most muddy place uh, of the tower, a mud pie, a mud studio. And then he would sigh and say, well, I must go to bed. Hopefully I'll dream of children of my own, though, but don't worry about me. You know, he'd do that kind of thing. So finally, you know, the queen relented and, and she became, she became. I think they say quickened with child, maybe. And the the, the duke, uh, see, I almost called him a king myself. Uh, he was quite happy and he made sure she had all the, you know, the vitamins and all those things. And the tower was getting close to completion as, as as she was getting more close to giving birth. But also at the time, the king was being more involved in expansion of the empire, which she never found. She just said, well, let's just keep what we have. You know, we have trading partners. But he became more and more interested, and he started taking trips further afield to meet with the generals and look at invasion plans or some such thing. 
And one day when when he was off, she waddled over to the tower and she said, I want to see the tower. And it was locked. And they said, well, only the king, the, the duke, uh, she said, the prince consort, uh, yeah, she, only he has the key, keys. Uh, and he's been doing all the designing in there. And she said, well, I want to get in. And, and she, you know, of course, she, she was crafty. So she said, go to the uh, dungeon, bring me the best uh, thief in town. And the thief unlocks the doors and he says, strangest thing. Uh, there's locks on both sides of this door. And uh, as they got the doors open, she said, well, that is strange. Uh, and he said, yeah, you lock, you can both lock people in and lock people out, uh and she said, hmm, interesting to know that uh, for a playroom, a play tower. And then she started to tour the tower. And she started to notice that while on the outside it looked like a tower of play, it did not seem like that on the inside. It seemed like a tower made uh, for children to have slip-ups. Uh, and she even found places for the children to stay, uh, a bit like uh, sleeping bags, but not quite uh, after they would slip up in a permanent sense. And then she said to the thief, relax the doors and tell no one that I was here. And it just so happened that right after that, uh, the baby was ready to be born. And it ended up not being one baby, but two, a boy and a girl, twins, were born to her. And the duke returned and was quite pleased and... She kept the babies and, you know, you know, got them along. And then the children came to see, because yeah, they said the king's getting ready to open our play tower. And the mother started, the queen, she started to get upset. And the children said, Mother, what are you so sad about? Uh, you have your new babies and you have us. And the uh, father's opening a play tower, so we won't bother you and the babies. Uh, it's all win, win, win. And the queen said, no, no, no. Uh, and she said, come to me, children, in uh, and, and another night. And the queen uh, called upon her most loyal advisors and said, send word to the fairy kingdom. I need a fairy godmother, stats. And this was really the first, one of the first myths we've dealt with that had actual fairy godparents in it. Uh, and the queen met with the fairy godmother, and then she introduced the children while the king was once again off. He said, when, when I get returned, we'll open the play castle, the play tower. And she said, while your uh, stepfather is gone, I want you to meet this woman. Uh, we'll call her Agatha. <laughs> Shelly called her uh, Shalina. And she's going to help take care of you. And the children said, what, are, what do you mean? And she said, well, there's a war coming, children. You must be off, uh, all of you. She will teach you, and you must be brave. Uh, for this uh, duke, prince consort, was I chose the wrong person to be associated with, and I'm sorry. And when it's safe to return, I'll rise a pink flag at the top of the play, for play tower, and you'll know you could come here. And the children were quite upset, but uh, the, the the fairy godmother was very good. She said, don't worry, children, we're going to have a great adventure in the woods, and I know all the things you like to play, and we're going to find a playhouse, and you're going to play as adults for a while. And so she took all 12 children deep in the woods to a cottage uh, that had plenty of room, 
and was in a wonderful part of the woods. And she said, this is where you live. And she taught them how to cook and how to clean, how to gather and how to hunt. And the children were so delighted. And then she took the children to one side of the the cottage. And on the side of the cottage grew 12 vines of ivy. And she said, if ever your father comes or his army comes, uh, these vines of ivy, you could never touch them unless he comes uh, and it's an emergency and then just rip them down and you will be safe, but, but only an emergency because it will be, uh, it'll be a complex uh, safety maneuver. But look, you know, call me and I'll gather you up. Uh, and they said, okay, okay, we won't touch the ivy. And she said, well, I must return to the fairy world to go be assigned to another family. You will be safe here for now. And keep watch uh, occasionally over your mother's castle to see if there's a pink flag flying. Uh, but it, like otherwise, just enjoy playing house. And so the children began to play house, and they did well. And they actually, it was like uh, the opposite of a play. They uh, enjoy. I mean, they were playing in a good way. And there was nothing desperate or sad about it. And so that was nice. And meanwhile, back at the kingdom, uh, the queen was raising her son and daughter. And time was going by, and they were growing and getting older. And meanwhile, the duke was expanding ever more heartily, invading other kingdoms, because uh, she had told him the children ran away in the night and they probably would never return. And he said, huh, interesting. And, uh, oh, there's a part of the story I've totally forgot, so, which is important, is that uh, every one of her children on the back had a birthmark that looked like a, mo- a moth, uh, even these two children. So the six boys w- with uh, her first husband all had a birthmark with a moth. Her six daughters with another husband, still all had a birthmark that looked like a moth. And these two children also had birthmarks that looked like moths. And it will be important later, maybe. I think so. I can't remember. I was, sometimes I was drifting off, relaxing so. But so uh, the king was expanding, the children were growing, and the king had obviously forgotten about the play tower. And at one time, the brother and the sister, when they were playing, they snuck into the tower. They found a way to unlock the doors. And they got in, and the mother looked down and saw them going in, and she ran down and said, Come out of there immediately. Like, uh, and they said, What is this place, mother? And the mother was very upset. You know, She had been using cognitive dissonance to deal with the losing of her 12 children to the, you know, to moving to the forest. And they walked through the tower together so the mother could keep an eye on them. And they said, what are all these things? Uh, you know, there's 12 desks and there's 12, uh, like sleeping bag type containers for sleeping in. And there's 12, there's six uh, dresses in black of different sizes and six little suits in different sizes. What are these things? And she said, well, you had uh, six brothers and six sisters, my children. Uh, They said, no, we don't. Uh, We never did. She said, you did, but your father, and she told them the whole tale. And the children said, this is outrageous. Uh, 
uh, father. We always knew he was a bit too ambitious and always out warring instead of hanging out with us. And then he built a play tower, you know, that wasn't so safe for uh, siblings. And Chase said, we'll go find them, mother. Just stop and dry your tears. We'll find our siblings. Now, meanwhile, uh, back at the cottage, the other children, you know, they the stepmother came in one time and taught them about the musical ha- Hamilton. Uh, as I said, that was a popular thing. Uh, because of some flux, but mostly the children, because they were children and she didn't spend, so they became, the boys became enamored with the idea of dueling. And they were always playing dueling, but also the children were very unhappy. You know, the children needed someone to blame, and the stepmother said, don't blame yourself, or the godmother. She said, don't blame yourself for these events. Uh, you blame your father, and of course, or your stepfather. And the children said, but he's an authority figure, and we've been conditioned not to uh, blame and be angry with authority figures, so we need some other figure uh, to be angry with. And the stepmother said, but then the children did it themselves. They said, well, a brother and sister, that's who we're angry with. Uh, if we ever see them, we will duel them, uh, just like uh, in Hamilton, the musical, which glorifies ha- dueling, by the way. Uh, though I find it delightful too. But so they were doing that and practicing d- different kinds of duels, I guess, and it, it just, just, you know, flourishing. Um, and hopefully there was nothing like, uh, it was just they were playing house. Uh, now, meanwhile, the brother and sister started looking for the siblings and they finally found the woods and they finally stumbled upon the cabin, and it was one day when all the other children were out, uh, except for the youngest brother and sister. Uh, you know what I mean? From the first husband and the second husband. And it was a hot day, so the boy had no shirt on, and the sister had no shirt on. And they wandered up to the cottage, and they said, Hey, like, uh, hello, we could use some water. It's a hot day. And the other brother and sister came to the door, and they said, uh, Oh, hello, uh, your children wandering in the woods. We're children that live in the woods. Uh, and then this one girl, she gasped because she saw the the moth. Uh, uh, they said that they both had moth birthmarks, like all of them. And the brother said, Where do you come from? And they said, From the kingdom. We're looking for our siblings, 12 siblings in total, six boys and six girls. And they said, uh, What? And then the boy said, I declare a duel. Like, uh, and he started to, you know, hip and hopping. And, and it, like, uh, they had a duel, unfortunately. And, and uh, the boy from the third husband, this is complicated. He. It was not the victor, and it was a real duel. Uh, so he uh, had to uh, dissipate uh, from the world. And the children didn't really realize the gravity of the duel uh, because it was cloaked in uh, wonderful rhymes originally. And when they saw the real results of a duel, the three of them were very sad. And then the siblings returned. And they had a moment of, they had time to bond over that. And they, they, you know, they realized the gravity and it brought the 13 of them closer together. And something about that enabled them to overcome 
the skepticism and being upset with an authority figure that is your father or your stepfather. And they became very displeased with the king. And meanwhile, the king was invading the areas and pushing people out. So there was one kingdom uh, that was rumored that was setting up camp in their woods, uh, you know, in, in running, uh, doing battle with the, the stepfather or her father. I know this is complicated. And the children said, well, what if we join the, this army of rebellion against uh, the duke, uh, the, the prince consorts? Uh, and they said, that is a great idea because, uh, we, you know, we're good at dueling and uh, hunting and uh, we live in the, we've lived in the woods for years. Uh, and the youngest girl, she was very excited about it. She was excited for rebelling against her father, who she said, well, this is... Uh, and so they got ready to go off and join the, the, the army, and they said, okay, we'll go and join it. And the youngest girl, she had heard of camouflage, so one night she started to uh, to prepare camouflage, but unfortunately she pulled down the 12 uh, vines of ivy, and then there was a great crack of uh, thunder and lightning, and the fairy godmother appeared, and all the children were rubbing their eyes, and they said, what has happened? Uh, and the girl was standing there with the 12 pieces of ivy. She said, I was going to make camouflage, and I tore down this ivy, and it thundered. And the fairy godmother said, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, uh, why would you do such a thing? She said, well, to camouflage my siblings, uh, we're going to be uh, you know, practicing guerrilla warfare against our father. And she said, no, no, that was magic. Uh, no one told her. And they said, no, we didn't think of it on it. Uh, and she said, well, and then the children, all the other 12 children, the six boys and the six girls, they started to transform into caterpillars. And just about that time, a bunch of uh, uh, crows were flying by, a whole pack of them. And, uh, you know, so then the fairy godmother had to freeze all the caterpillars with a magical spell that she had to think up on the spot. So those 12 frozen caterpillars... And she said, I don't even know how to undo this spell. She said, oh, no, I used the wrong spell. I think this is permanent. Oh, oh. And the one girl was left, and the, the fairy godmother, she gathered up. She said, I'll try to figure out a way. She said, unless uh, there could be a great sacrifice that would melt the hearts of everyone, that would melt this ice. Uh, and the girl said, I'll do whatever it takes uh, to help my siblings. And she said, you must not talk uh, for one month uh, for each of your siblings, uh, plus one month for you for 13 months. You cannot say a word. Not make a peep. And she said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, and she said, I'll keep your siblings safe. Just if you speak a word, though, they'll be permanently, they'll be caterpillars. Well, she said, it'll eventually melt and they'll change from caterpillars into great moths and then they'll be permanent moths. She said, otherwise, in 13 months, they'll return to normal. And then the uh, the recruiters came, and the girl said, well, I can't join a recruiting army alone. So she tried to hide. And the recruiters for the guerrilla army, they said, where are you? Like, and then the king came because he said, I had these six strapping young lads and six young women that were the master duelers uh, ready to go. 
And then they saw that she was hiding, the youngest girl, she was hiding in a tree. And the king called her down and he said, uh, where are the other children? And she didn't answer. And also she wasn't really a girl anymore. She'd become a woman, you know, spending this time uh, uh, that had gone by in the woods and stuff. That uh, Parts I didn't cover because they were too boring. And so, uh, you know, when they were prepping to be in the guerrilla army, and the king said, I would have, like, uh, he said, haba, 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 you know, I, I think I'd like to get to know you better. And she still didn't speak. And he said, oh, you're so, maybe it's just uh, the intensity. He said, please come back with me. And they rode back and she still didn't speak. But she listened, of course, with a, a slight smile on her face. And that's all a lot of people want is to be heard. And so he began to love her even more. And they went to the castle, and he talked some more, and he couldn't believe how good she could make eye contact and nod uh, and acknowledge him and make him feel understood. And and he said, well, she really gets me. Don't know why she doesn't talk, but uh, I don't know. I'd like it. And so he asked her to marry him, and she nodded because uh, she said, well, she says this uh, and he was also at war with her father that she wasn't happy about. So she said, okay, like in her head, that's what she said. Now, meanwhile, this this uh, this king, uh, another king, you know, no other kings, it's just a duke on the other side or a consort, but uh, he had a mother and the mother lived with him and she was very nosy. And she said, I don't like this. Like, uh, I don't like it. Why doesn't she talk, you know? And he said, Mother, because she doesn't need to or she can't. We don't know. She doesn't say anything. And at first, uh, the mother tried to trick the girl into talking, but the girl also had the fairy godmother keeping, like, one eye on her and counteracting any of that nonsense. So, you know, she would try to poke her or trip her or make her laugh or drop a cat on her. But none of that worked. Uh, so then the mother said, there must be something that you like bad about her, you know, that she's up to something. And the, the king said, no, 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 she just doesn't like, she doesn't talk, mother. It's fine. And then the mother said, you know, people that don't talk think they're better than me. And it's been proven. And, and the queen was, or the whatever, the queen mother, I don't know what she was, uh, the king's mother. She started to spread rumors that this uh, future queen, a future wife of a king, thought she was hot stuff and that she knew everything and she was really nosy and stuff. Uh, and then one day she just happened to uh, happen to walk in the room and the, queen, the uh, young future queen, I think they were married at this point. Yes, they were. They were married. Yeah, but the mother, she still wasn't satisfied, and she happened to walk in when she was bathing one time, and she saw the moth birthmark, and she had known of the children of the queen of the kingdom of the consort they were at, you know, war with. Uh, all those children, including the queen herself, had a moth birthmark uh, on the back. And once this was knowledge, she publicly stated it, and then... She called a trial, and she used a proper uh, parliamentary procedure so the king couldn't stop it. And then, you know, it was a public trial, and the king said, why won't you defend yourself? Uh, 
And he said, the punishment is to go up in that tower because uh, they had a tower for, for punishment. And the mother said, and we're going to set that tower up uh, a flame, they say. And she said, I, like, she didn't say anything. And then the mother, like, uh, showed her back uh, and said, see, she's a spy from the kingdom that's trying to conquer us, uh, that's trying to take us over. And the king said, please just say you're not a spy. Like, this is part of parliamentary procedure. You have to say something. If you say nothing, you're guilty. And she still refused, and the trial dragged on and on. And they put her up in the tower. And, they, they, you know, then it went through parliamentary procedures also slow. So she was like, uh, finally, the appeals process ran out. And they set a date to, to light the tower up. Uh, now, meanwhile, there had been skirmishes with her father's, uh, like, uh, thing. And it just so happened on the day she was expected uh, to, to uh, be, you know, be, be gone, uh, the fa- her father had decided that day to make a secret invasion. So right when they started, uh, like, a sm- the smoking of the tower, uh, her father just happened to be invading. And unfortunately, it was like a really secret uh, super thing. So that king, he was he was gone. He was he was wispy like smoke very quickly, and uh, but of course the mother, the king's mother, she was like, oh, I'll help. Like uh, like you know, she was not very loyal even to her son. She was only loyal to herself. Uh, and the, the this was the duke that was invading. Uh, I don't, maybe I mix that up because I'm so confused myself. Uh, but he said, what is this smoking tower? Because they conquered pretty easily with the mother's help. And she said, oh, it's one of your children in there. Uh, uh, she's turned tail against us, and there's nothing we can do. And the king said, well, maybe she did. She, she, he, she married, uh, my daughter married this king? Oh, dear. Uh, and meanwhile, this was smoking. Now, also, it had been 13 months, which is key because all of a sudden the thunder and lightning cracked the sky. And just when it looked like the daughter was in trouble, uh, 12 moths flew through the air, uh, giant moths encircled the top of the tower. And the daughter went out a window and got on the back of the biggest moth. And the moths flew and they fanned the flames. And then they flew down, and she pointed at her father, the Duke, the prince consort, uh, the duke, regent, whatever, and the mother of the king. And some of the other moths picked them up and dropped them right in the tower. And then the tower was gone with those two in it. Uh, and the people cheered, and she said, well, technically, that makes me queen. And then the, the moths landed I think this was after she said technically, and the moths changed into her brothers and sisters. And they all hugged, and then they all, uh, you know, they said, well, geez, uh, who's in charge now? And then they went back to the kingdom, and the mother was still there. And the first thing they did is rip down that play tower, and then they united all the people, because they said, well, it was just a foolish father was invading, and... uh, I guess maybe I could marry my oldest brother. She said, we'll figure that part out. I don't know. I was married to your king. But my oldest brother, 
And the, the six brothers and the six daughters said, well, once you've been a moth, uh, politics in Game of Thrones is not really for us. So they said, why don't you and mother rule? Because you're kind of the proper ruler. And the daughter said, without the fairy godmother, she made a great decree. This was Now, this isn't history, though. This is just a tale. Uh, but she made a great decree that uh, anyone, I don't know, she, some decree about, uh, oh, that any leader should also have a fairy godparent as an advisor. Uh, and that her and her mother would take on this one, Agathina or uh, Shalina, whatever you want to call it, as the advisor from henceforth, uh, therefore, her too. And th- that, like, became handed down for thousands of years or whatever. Yeah, that, that, that in their rules, in, in those kingdoms, that, uh, the leaders would always be advised by the fairy kingdom and that the proper heirs would be protected by fairy godparents uh, to avoid this, this kind of nonsense. And then maybe you shouldn't, one, marry your brothers, uh, but who cares? You know, the, your business, uh, I don't know. That, uh, And I, that's what I said at the end. I said, Shelley, these myths, the, these folks things, they don't make a lot of sense, and they always have like two or three stories within them. And Shelley said, the beautiful tales don't always make sense to you because you're identifying with the humans. Uh, and I said, yeah, because they take up most of the story. And she said, yeah, but the important parts are that the fairy godmother. And I said, well, the human girl, she did not talk for seven years, seven, whatever, 14, 13 months. And she said, you're not seeing it from a fairy perspective. Like, look at, look at the behavior of all the humans in this tale. What do you think? And I said, they're running around like a bunch of children. And she said, right, what about the, the children in the story? And everyone had to laugh. I said, oh, you're right, the adults and the children were acting like fools. Oh, Shelley. Oh, that is what you think of us because you, you're right. And she said, yes, in the selfish ways. Or sometimes they're mixed up ways and obsessed with glamorizing dueling or running about and mucking about. And I said, oh, well, thank goodness uh, for your tales. Uh, And I I, I was exhausted. Once again, uh, these classes really wear me out. And there was still a discussion period uh, where the children mostly discuss human mistakes and how much. And I said, well, I guess we do need your help, Shelley. It's a good thing. We're recounting these things as we rest here in the late afternoon sun with the two of you resting in bed so gently. Oh, I can see the motion of your breathing rising and falling through your empty mouth, rising and falling, and I rest too. With that slow motion, good night.